Happy Sunday. Welcome to Reflection of Hope. Today's episode is particularly exciting for me because it's an assignment for my women's studies class. I am so happy to kill two birds with one stone, so to speak, just because I haven't had time to actually sit down and plan out what I want to do for my next episode. So this way, I have to get it done because it's for a grade. (laughs) So we're completing the first unit in the women's studies course and our professor asked us to share the tools introduced through our assigned readings thus far that we can use on our journey toward healing and liberation. So without further ado, buckle in and listen to my voice for the next hour. I'm just kidding. It can't be that long. Uh, One day I'll get to long episodes, but for now, enjoy. Healing and liberation, as it relates to political defiance, is a process that is not completed overnight. There are so many issues in society that have contributed to traumatic experiences marginalized individuals have had. The matter of healing rests in a number of things, and today I'll only talk about a few because there are countless. First, Knowing about the systems of power that form oppressive structures is an important aspect when healing, whether that deals with the family structures, relationships, religious communities, or career depends on the identity of the individual. For example, a white person in America has a very different experience than any person of color, to be honest. Second, recognizing that the system is not a person or a group but a method of governance over our beliefs, lifestyles, and judgments as individuals. The final point combines the concept of a radical movement and understanding where intersectionality plays the main role. When talking about becoming aware of the problem, Bell Hooks, in her theory as liberatory practice, explains how she was punished for questioning the status quo as a child. As one of the most influential black feminist writers, her ability to pursue these complex ideas and concepts of identity has drastically shifted the conversation around knowing how the systems of oppression work and how these systems affect communities, families, and individuals. So her parents' intolerance of her out-of-the-box thinking is just one example of how the larger system seeps into family structures. As her career has progressed, Bell Hooks has dived deep into issues involving race and sex and the systems oppressive to people of color and to women. In theory as liberatory practice, she shared her personal anecdotes describing instances when she was in a public setting having these deeper conversations. To summarize one time in particular, she said a woman came up to her after the conversation and she was crying crying because she'd finally heard out loud the internal conflictions I imagined she'd had her entire life. So Bell Hooks here makes the point by stressing the privilege there is in knowing more in detail about the systems that oppress us, that having the words to describe our deepest emotions is a privilege. In other words, knowledge of the constructs of power introduces individuals affected by it to a new language of naming their experiences within it. These experiences, oftentimes, are ones of trauma. It's almost like you're being hit from behind. 
And you know it hurts, you know it's there, you know it's inhibiting you from moving forward, but you cannot fight back or heal those wounds until you turn around to face the perpetrator. That's kind of what life is like, not understanding how these systems of oppression do work. My point is, when confronting and longing to break down the systems, the knowledge of where and why they are in place, or the fact that they are in place, is such a vital element to begin to understand how individuals are impacted and how we, one, understand the types of trauma that result specifically among marginalized individuals and communities, two, how to begin stitching those wounds, and three, how to transform the system. Now that we've named the system and and we have the language, who is the perpetrator? That's the next question we have to ask. So we want to unpack the system as an it. Alan Johnson explains in Patriarchy, the system, an it, not a he, a them, or an us, that these systems of power negatively impact all people. So once we understand that the patriarchy, class hierarchies, and the structures that promote and accept sexism and racism and so forth, we have to move to understand what exactly that means. In the way that the system negatively impacts all people to prove that it is a system and not just one person or one specific group, there are confined roles that set the expectation of certain individuals. For example, most religions form a structured form of power um, designate certain attributes to men or to women physical strength to men and compassion to women for example this structure affects the family religion as i said and the economy how people's lives are shaped another significant point johnson makes is that we are not mere chess pieces on a playing board We have the ability to interject in everyday instances that these structures seep into. Much like when young boys joke about how everything their buddies or their homies do is gay, every person involved as a bystander or contributor has the free will to say, hey, that's not cool. But of course, this system conditions them to be scared, otherwise they'll become the next target. Along the same lines of patriarchy, the idea that men have to, from boyhood, prove their manhood through aggression or suppression of emotions is harmful to their development. It is here that the questions of how is this damaging and how are their minds being shaped asked. I use this example to further the idea of these structures as an it. The system is an it. People get it wrong when they say, oh, men are the problem. This is not the case because men, too, are negatively impacted. They may have a a more powerful hand in contributing or perpetuating it, but they're still negatively impacted in very different ways than women or non-binary folk are, but still men are given a box to settle in or to conform to. It's... A system that is oppressive to women, damaging to men, and constricting to those in between. We have to call out the patterns of abuse that harm anyone because of their identities. We all have a part in perpetuating or challenging the system despite our own acknowledgement or ignorance of it. 
we have the power to decide which role we play in diminishing it. So once we understand that we're not just passive, well, we can choose to be passive or we can choose to be active, but once we understand that we have that choice, that is where the power begins to build up. People have to transform from the inside out, which begins by understanding where your current state of thinking and living comes from and questioning it. So understanding where you fit into this structure or into the system, into society. This leads me to my next point of understanding the intersectionality of identities and how to use our separate experiences within the many systems of power to begin to transform it. Kathy Cohen in Bull Daggers and Welfare Queens, The Radical Potential of Queer Politics, explains the uniqueness of queer activism by saying gay, lesbian, and transgender individuals, quote, confront the normalizing power structure by emphasizing and exaggerating their own anti-normative characteristics and non-stable behavior, end quote. This simple observation was kind of a breakthrough for me because of course it's a way of displaying defiance but how so and how how powerful is it the initiators of the queer movement more specifically black drag queens have had no issue in claiming their identities as who they are this sentiment is powerful because the point of radical activism is to question the current system, to break it down and introduce new ideas to adopt, right? Men dressing as women? How crazy, you know? It's just breaking down the system and questioning it and saying they're clothes. Clothes are a way of expression and That's how they're expressing themselves. That's who they are. You know, this open display of identity not only says I'm queer, I'm queer, and that's just who I am, but it very importantly forces people to react and be engaged when their identity is being challenged or questioned. Cohen says, and I quote, The destabilization of collective identity is itself a goal and accomplishment of collective action, end quote. Cohen covers a lot of issues in this article, but the main point she makes is that separate identities individuals have make their experiences very different from another person who may identify in the same way. For example, a white gay man experiences the dark sides of homophobia and the patriarchy very differently than a black transgender woman. The identity of a cisgender white male holds much privilege, while an individual born as a man, knowing they are a woman, is not an identity that holds any privilege, and their identity as black also has its debilitating outcomes. Therefore, Although clumped together as a part of the LGBTQ plus community, the intersection of oppression for both individuals does not meet the same mark. This implies that all heterosexuals are seen to be dominant and controlling and that all queers are understood to be marginalized and invisible. Based on my previous example, this is not a simple truth. 
for instance, the element of queer layers, social and interpersonal conflictions of the lived experience of individuals based on what their identities are. Just because people of color are marginalized and understand a system that rejects their natural identity does not mean that the familial systems of people of color are willing to accept the identity of queer. To be queer does not mean to be accepted and understood by other marginalized communities these individuals identify with. The radical potential of this is about further destabilizing the systems of power that cause people to struggle. The way we can begin to understand the complex role intersectionality holds is exploring and accepting and incorporating intersectionality in the radical movements. By acknowledging all the damages done to individuals of certain and differing identities, there's a great potential to completely shift the way change happens. Along with understanding that people are separate from these systems of oppression, we must understand, too, that the power structures are interlocking. There is a common enemy, and it is not each other. Banding together in a shared sense of oppression done by the very power structure begins a battle that can be won. So in the way that the feminist movement needs to openly speak about the ways the patriarchy negatively impacts men, queer politics should understand heteronormativity as a structure that just as well harms all family structures depending on the multiple identities within. Cohen explains that the queer movement is about breaking down the power structure itself. It compels us to ask who has the power and why. The purpose of radical movements is to call out power and to pinpoint the system's origin, see who benefits, who does not, where the damage is done, and uncover how to change it in favor of all people. Healing and liberation, then, is dependent on our knowledge and acknowledgement of the oppressive system, understanding that everyone is impacted by it, and then asking how are we impacted in unique ways, and what can we do to break through as a collective. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I know we covered a lot of content, but I do want to stress that calling out these systems and knowing about them and calling out your family members and your friends for things that can be harming to other people who identify a certain way is so important. We all play a role in, like I said before, either perpetuating or changing the systems that are in place currently. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope that you are inspired to continue on with confidence and curiosity um, to begin your own healing journey through all of this knowledge. I will be back when I find the time again, but for now, have a fantastic week. Thank you.